Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. You're on it, doggone it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, my name is Pastor JR. I'm the youth pastor here at the Building Christian Fellowship. John Butcher Jr. I'm blessed. Whew, I'm blessed. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. I'm blessed. I promise you that today I'm not up here to share my story. I'm not up here to, for you to remember and, and, and to say, oh, poor JR, I don't want that. I want you to recognize the grace that God has placed on my life and my family's life. Is that although Pastor John received a new heart this past week, He's not the only one that is in need of a new heart. That although God made a way for him to receive a new heart, that he might, not, might have life, that he's not the only one that needs life. He's not the only one that needs the living water. He's not the only one that needs God's spirit. That although we look at his story as something that is physical, there's something spiritual that is going on with the head of our church that can happen with the rest of us. That if the anointing starts at the head, the only other place for it to go is to the body. I'm preaching from a weak place. I'm preaching with nothing left. I'm preaching without strength, without any mental capacity at my wit's end. But God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Heaven forbid my pride be presented on this platform. Heaven forbid that my flesh be presented on this platform. But I, I, I pray and I've been, I've been praying and being in God's presence that God, that your will be done at the Building Christian Fellowship, that your will be done in our youth group, that your will be done in each and every person that enters this building. It starts with a heart change. Last week, Pastor Donald talked about God being Jehovah Jireh, God being the provider. And I've known him as that. I've known him as being the protector. I've known him as being my strong tower. I've known him as being my shield. But I think for the first time in my life, I've gotten to know him as the knower of hearts. I've gotten to know him as the only one that can know me from the inside out that knows my wickedness, that knows where I fall short, that knows my flesh better than anyone else and has the exact remedy to make me healed again and has the exact remedy for, to make me, to allow me to experience abundant life and not just life in my own eyes. So if you'll turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17. I won't be before you guys long. I got cotton mouth. I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. 
been an emotional mess. So y'all are about to get a week's worth of prayer. And yeah, Jeremiah 17. We're going to start in verse five. If you're there, say I'm there. If you're looking at the sky Bible, say sky Bible. Now let's, 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 let's set the scene, right? Israel is out here tripping, okay? Tripping. Like the same Israel that walked through the Red Sea and seas were part of the same Israel that's been delivered over and over again, the same Israel that got a pillar of fire by night and a cloud of smoke and pillar by day, those Israelites are tripping. They've seen God come through for them over and over again, and yet they're building idols. And yet they're going as far as to sacrifice their own children to these idols because they think they know what's best for their lives. It's not that God hasn't been present. It's not that God hasn't been consistent. It's not that he hasn't been holy because that's who he is. But the wickedness of their hearts is what has robbed them from the experience of the life that God has placed before them. Babylon is on its way. And these Israelites, the ones that are tripping, the ones, like I said before, that have experienced all these wonders of God are thinking about turning back to Egypt again. And for you Bible scholars that read your Bible and you read in the Old Testament, anytime you hear Egypt, you better say, here we go again. And so we're starting from Jeremiah 17. These, these Israelites, these people of God are so wicked that Jeremiah 17, 1 describes them as 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 people with a stone heart that only can be written upon with an iron pen with a diamond tip. An iron pen with a diamond tip is not a Tiffany's pen, okay? It's not something that's like glamorous. It's, it's trying to paint poetically the picture that their hearts are so hard and the only way that it's written upon is by stone, is by this pen of, of diamond and, and iron. That they're so far and their hearts are so turned away from God that that's the state that they're in. And we proceed in Jeremiah 17, verse 5. It says this, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and the salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear, somebody say fear, when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. Here comes our verse. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Here's the encouragement. Here's the hope. We aren't without hope. We're not just in a place where we've come to an idea that we're wi- our hearts are wicked, that our hearts are sick. We're not in a place to where we're hopeless. But here becomes verse. Here comes verse ten. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. The title of today's message is the Knower of Hearts. It's the Knower of Hearts. Now. I, I, I tend to preach a lot to youth, and I kind of have to bring things down a little bit. So please don't think I'm trying to insult you by explaining what the heart is. And more specifically, what the heart is in biblical terms. See, the heart isn't just a place where feelings are located, but a place that represents the totality of the inward man. So it's not, when we sing the song, 
You can have my heart. It's not just us singing, God, you can have my emotions. God, when I get too angry, this is where I need you to step in. Or God, when I'm feeling too sad, this is where I need you to step in. No, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking uh, about the vigor of physical life that meets the, the seat of spiritual life, this, the soul or mind, the passions, the desires, the affections and the purposes that, that life has for us, the seat of understanding or intelligence. So to make it more accurate to how we think about it today, right? You know, a lot of us think about, you think about mind, we think about thoughts, we think about what? The brain. For people back in that day, it's not that they weren't aware of the brain, but they believed that all those thoughts, all that, that mind stuff that's going on all happens in the place of the heart. There's verse evidence everywhere where it says, according to the Bible, this is in the Easton's Bible Dictionary. It says, according to the Bible, the heart is the center, not only of spiritual activity, but of all operations of human life. Heart and soul are often used interchangeably, but this is not generally the case. The heart is the home of personal life, and hence a man is designated according to his heart. Wise, pure, upright, and righteous, Genesis 20, Psalms 11, 1 Kings 3 and 12. Pious and good, Luke chapter 8 and 15. In these and such passages, the word soul cannot be substituted for heart. The heart is also the seat of the conscious, Romans 2 and 15. It is naturally wicked, Genesis 8 and 21, in that passage we read in Jeremiah 17. And hence, it contaminates the whole life and character, Matthew 12, 34, 15, 18, Ecclesiastes 8 and 11, Psalm 73 and 7. Hence, the heart must be changed regenerated before a man can willingly obey God. So, so we can't trick ourselves into thinking that I'm going to keep my life the same and call myself a Christian. I'm going to keep my heart, my desires, my will the same and call myself a follower of Christ. That in order for us to truly be sons and daughters, in order, in order for us to truly be found in the family of God, there has to be a heart change. The location of the heart will determine the quality of life. It paints it beautifully, vividly in poetic literature here in Jeremiah 17. And for, for everybody that reads their Bible just a little bit, if you hear this passage in Jeremiah 17, you realize it sounds oddly familiar to Psalms 1. Cursed and blessed. When it says in verse 5, you see this clear contrast between being cursed and being blessed. God is trying to make it very plain, very black and white. Like, listen, there is no gray area. There is no, I'll be super saved and super Christian on Sunday, but I'm a wild out Monday through Saturday. That I'm going to be blessed and highly favored in public, but I'm going to be cussing my kids out at home. Oh, maybe I'm not talking to nobody. You guys are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I might be talking to the wrong crowd. But the clear contrast that it paints is to show us that, look, when we trust our heart in God, we're not putting it in a place that is going to be forsaken. When we abandon and repent of our ways and we turn towards God, we are not lacking anything. In verse 5, it says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Now, listen, I want to make this very clear. God is not hiding around corners waiting to Star Wars lightning shock you with his hands and curse you, okay? That, that's not God's character. It's just like this, right? It's like if you keep driving with your check engine light, your car is eventually going to break down. That's not judgment. It's just facts. 
You know that whistling sound? I'm not trying to roast the ladies right now because my wife gets me with this. You know when you press your brake and it starts whistling? Change your brakes. If the gas light comes on, go get more gas. Matter of fact, stop waiting until you're empty to fill yourself up. And this becomes the thing. God is setting, God is setting this thing up for us to clearly understand and realize what difference between choosing him and not choosing him. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. He uses this poetic language. It says in verse 6, For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. When I think about this passage, I think about where it says, and shall not see when good comes. It, it reminds me of an ungrateful person. It reminds me of somebody that, that like we're talking about, like the Israelites that have seen God move, have seen God do miraculous things, and seen God change lives and, and provide for them and do all these things, and yet they forget because their hearts are turned away from God. Sort of like, I, I don't know, there are times where, you know, just speaking about the heart, we've been talking about this at Elevate, we've been talking about emotions because, you know, my heart as a youth pastor is for young people teenagers to learn how to process their emotions, understand what sadness is and happiness and, and fear and all these different things because you, you guys know how it is. There are people in their 40s and 50s that still act like teenagers, right? So I figure if they can learn how to process emotions now biblically, then when they grow older, they might not depart from it. And so it's almost like this. It's almost like as a it's almost like as a person that has their heart hardened and turned away from God, when the blessings come, they don't see it. When they come into a situation that they've seen God come through before, they act uh, uh, pessimistic. Like there's a situation, and if I can just be transparent about what's been going on in my life, obviously pastor's been in the hospital for a number of days, right? It was disheartening to hear how many Christians told me, well, if he dies, man, that's, you know, no, that's it. Now I believe that, that God's a healer. I believe that God is a provider. I believe that God's will will come to pass, but... In the meantime, I'm going to be praying for my dad's healing. In the meantime, I'm going to be praying for a good heart. In the meantime, I'm going to be praying for covering of the donor family's heart so they might come to a knowledge of who God is. That although I am following the will of God, I am not going to cut God short. I'm going to pray big. I'm going to pray expecting that God can do anything. Don't have a hardened heart, saints. It's a cursed place to be. In the contrast, in verse 7, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Look at this clear contrast. Verse 8, it says, For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out by its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. Pay close attention. But its leaves will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. That I want you guys to recognize that although you guys have your life submitted to God, although you're tithing and, and doing all the right things, calamity and trials will come. But although calamity comes, although fearful situations comes, although situations that, 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 that need to have some sort of anxiety comes, you still have a source that you can tie yourself to. That, 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 that our Bible says it won't fear when the heat comes. The heat is going to come. 
But I'm not going to worry about the drought because it says, but its leaves will be green. That although there might be a dry season or a famine season or season where it doesn't seem like God is blessing you like he does, that we won't be without because we'll be filled with life because we're connected to the living water. It says, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, but, nor will cease from yielding fruit. That in the year of drought, when, 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 when things are empty and there isn't a moment for you to bear fruit, that you'll bear fruit in your lives. That, that, again, I keep going back to my testimony. I'm just going to be obedient. That in a moment, dude, it's been rough, okay? Let me tur turn the preacher off. It's been rough. Car has a blown head gasket. Have to unexpectedly move. My dad goes into the emergency room. My grandmother goes into the emergency room. My other grandmother goes into the emergency room. My granddad goes to the emergency room, not once, not twice, but three times, I think it's been so far. It's been three. Spent. Emotionally spent. Mentally spent. But if I can testify of what my life has been like. That I have no situation. Circumstances look like I, I shouldn't be fruitful in my life. Circumstances look like, oh, you're a youth pastor going through this. You should just go ahead and take a break. Uh, not yet. Not yet. I'm not being prideful. I'm not trying to be a tough guy, but I realize that I'm on assignment. I realize that, that there are young people, that are men and women, there are families that still need to hear the word of God. God, I know you'll be a provider. I know you'll be a protector, but I know that you are the source of my strength, and I can't bear fruit without you. I can't be filled with life without you. It paints it beautifully earlier in, in Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah 2. I don't want to call God petty. But in my own human thinking and studying the word, I'm like, dang, God, he was a little petty in Jeremiah. What was he doing? At this point, God is like, I'm fed up. They keep turning back to their ways. I'm, I'm presenting them with ways to live an abundant life, and yet they keep turning back to these, these idols. The, the, early in Jeremiah, it describes that, that the people of Israel had so many idols. They had more idols than they had streets. He's like, they, they, they walk away from me, the living water, and build themselves up broken cisterns that can't even hold water themselves. It, it talks about how if they want to sacrifice and pray to these idols that they've made, they, they're going to have to carry them themselves. But here's the point I'm trying to make, is that it makes these, these comparison, this, this contrast between cursed and blessed. If you're going to build an idol in your life, if you're going to make money your idol, if you're going to make jobs your idol, if you're going to make these toxic relationships that y'all are in, you're idle. I have some toxic relationships too. I'm not trying to beat you up. But listen, if you're going to make these things your idol, be willing to carry them. If you're going to make money your idol, be willing to carry it. Because listen, not only does God give us the blessing, but he's the one that, that handles the blessing. Does that make sense? That God doesn't have to be a God that needs to be handled. God doesn't need, uh, need, need prescription. He doesn't need you to tell you, tell him what you need. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What a situation. If you stop right there in your verse, I, I, I wouldn't blame you for a second being like, man, we're wicked. I might as well just go to bed or something. Like, this, this sucks. But when, the, when, when, the, when Jeremiah 17 is describing the heart in 17 verse 9, it says, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. A more accurate translation would be, irreparably sick 
It's like getting a doctor's report and saying, oh, you got stage four cancer. There's nothing else you can do. You have two more weeks to live. It's like getting that kind of report when you read this, this verse. But here is where we can find hope, friends. Here's where we can find hope that right after we've been given this diagnosis of a wicked and irreplaceably sick heart, here comes the Lord. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. He's saying, look, your heart is irreplaceably sick. Your heart is rocky. Your heart is not giving any life. I am the one to help give you life. Nowhere else. No job, no amount of money, no situation can can give you life like God gives you life. No relationship, no thing that you connect yourself to can give you more life than God can give you life. So here, here, becomes, here becomes the thing that we need to do. Here's, here's where we go from here, and if the worship team can come back up. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 2 says, All a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Proverbs 23 and 26 says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. That biblically, when the Bible is talking about the heart, it's not just talking about the emotions. It's not just talking about a, a, a piece of your life. It's talking about the totality of your inward life. Where are you going, JR? Too many times, and I've been guilty of this too, to where we put ourselves in a situation where we can't handle, and then we go to God. God, this addiction is becoming too much. Now I'll come to your altar. God, I'm just too sad. I can't handle this situation. Now I'll come to your altar. It's, it's, God's funny. Because when you look at the people of Israel, they did the same exact thing. They get blessed. They're like, are we good? Hey, go ahead and raise up that golden calf. Hey, go ahead and build that altar. And things start going awry. And the Babylonians show up. And like, man, maybe we should turn back to Egypt. Maybe we should turn back to our ways. Wait, wait. We got God. Let's go to God. It's painting the picture of our wickedness of our hearts. Is that we can't get caught in the vicious cycle of, God, I'll come to you when I need help. Or, God, I'll come to you when I can't handle it. Believe it or not, I'm intentional. We chose this song on purpose. You can have my heart, not just my emotions, not just my thought, not just my mind, not just my desires, but, God, you can have it all. God, I might desire this, but you know my needs better than anyone else. God, my wants will not supersede your will. That when I think about Jesus about to go to the cross, painting the perfect picture of what it means to be submitted to the Father, this is what he says. He's anxious unto death. If there be any other way, let this cup of suffering pass from me. But nevertheless, your will be done. Our prayer today has to be, God, your will be done. In the midst of three, four, I forgot, my son had to go to the doctor too. Three or four different family members being in the hospital, God, your will be done. God, in the midst of me not knowing where I'm going to live, God, your will be done. In the midst of me not knowing how I, the father and husband and and shepherd and leader of my family, is going to provide for my family, God, your will be done. Because never have I seen the righteous forsaken or received begging bread. I know that you come through. I know that when, when I lay down my desires, when I lay down my emotions, when I lay down my will to you, you won't leave me forsaken. That you are my provider. 
that you are my protector that you are not just a God that is far off that doesn't know what's going on but 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 you wrapped yourself in flesh you were tempted in all ways you know exactly what you what we go through and yet you didn't fall into sin you, you painted the picture of a life that we were meant to live if we can all stand to our feet here becomes the invitation this is not a moment for you to feel sorry or a moment. I, I understand guilt and I understand these different things, but now is a moment for you to humble yourself. Generally, we have an altar call where, we, where we'll, we'll have people raise their hand and come up, but I'm inviting all people, everyone who needs a new heart to come down to the altar. There is no shame in here. There's no condemnation in here. But all people that need a new heart, all people that need to be made new in Christ to come down to the altar. Now is not the time to worry about what anybody else thinks about you. Now is not the time for you to worry about what, uh, what other people's thoughts are about you. Now is the time to worry about what God thinks about you. That although you may be sick and your heart is deceitfully wicked, there, there's still a way for you to be made whole again. There's still a way for you to be healed again. Thank you, Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. God, we are standing here believing. God, we are standing here hopeful. God, we are standing here ready to, to be healed in you, God. God, our hearts are troubled, our hearts are broken, our hearts are stony and rocky. And God, we're praying that you can circumcise our hearts so that we can be made uh, more and more into your image, God. That your will be done in our lives. God, I'm praying for healing for each and every person. God, that, that trials and situations won't overcome them, Lord God, but you are the one that protects us in everything. God, we will not just lay down our emotions today, Lord God. We lay down our hearts, our will, our desires. God, although the, the doctor's reports may come up, Lord God, you are the one that's in control. Although we've been given a diagnosis of death, God, you are the one that has life in your hands. So God, I'm praying that we can experience that abundant life. And just like your son says, not my will, God, but your will be done. Holy Spirit, I'm praying that you fill each and every one of us. That you are the one that guides us into all righteousness, God. I am praying that we come with a contrite heart, ready to repent. Creating us clean hearts. Renewing us right spirits. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation. And God, as we lift up this song of worship, God, I am praying that we lift it up with a healed heart. That we lift it up with a heart, Lord God, that is devoted to you. God, our heart, our life, our desires in our hands, Lord God, ends with calamity, God. But you are the one that gives us the promise that we may have abundant life in you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now we're about to go back into this song of worship. The word of God has been spoken. It's not about who spoke it, but it's been delivered. It's the fact that we've come to a recognition that this heart that we sing about is no longer about our emotions. It's no longer just about our desires. It's no longer just about our will. But the entirety of our inward man is being directed by God's spirit. So as we lift up this song of worship, don't worry about who's to the left or to the right of you. 
Don't worry about people behind you thinking about what, what are they going through. You're about to go through healing. You're about to go through being made whole again. You're about to go through being made more and more to the image of Christ. So don't worry about them. You need to be telling them, hey, get on board. So as we looked at this song, direct your hearts to Jesus. Direct your hearts to our, 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 our everlasting Father. Amen? Amen. heart is yours forever oh, my heart is yours forever my heart is yours my heart is yours forever